I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. Well, welcome back. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me back. I, yeah, I just, I thought about doing it by myself this week and decided I needed you. Oh, really? No. <laughs> I actually think you would be fine by yourself. Oh my gosh, I'd die. No, you would be totally fine. <laughs> I, the, so I edit all of our podcasts and I get so sick of hearing my own voice. Same with myself. I hate it. I'll be listening to it. I'm like, I will cut all of me out and I will just leave. No, Holly are you kidding? In there. I was actually just telling Haley that I feel like I start out like the preppy school teacher and then I turn into, you know, let's unpack your thoughts and my voice. Your therapy because voice. yeah, my therapy <laughs> voice because I have um you know, sort of the ability to move my voice. Yeah. Um and accents and language, you know, that's just yeah. kind of my skill set. So I tend to move in and out of those, and it's an editor's nightmare. <laughs> a sound editor, like sound mixer's nightmare. It has been a challenge. I will not say it has not been challenging yeah. to fix. Well, I the, like to make it hard. The volume on here, so um, and I'm I'm not a professional by any means. Neither of us are. We I learned how to use editing software from teaching dance mm. and having to edit like. Little girls solo music and oh, <laughs> like recital you soundtracks. You do a great job. So that's where my skills lie. So it's not that late tonight. We're only recording at nine p.m. You know, it feels like two a.m. Doesn't it, does. it feel really late? It does because it gets dark here at like four thirty. Well, and like I said, it's like you said the other day, and it's true. Six p.m. Night night. Uh huh. It's my bedtime. I definitely feel that way. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and people actually make fun of me. Um, For that, going to bed Well, early? so uh, my uh, grandmother, that's right, my grandmother, she is kind of a night owl. So she'll, she goes to bed typically between 1 and 2 a.m. Same right? with my grandmother. Right. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, you're retired. Like, live your yeah, life. Do what you, you know, want. That sounds awesome. Um, but she makes fun of me because I make comments about, like, well, it'll be around, you know, 8 p.m. and... I'll try and get in the bed. Like, I don't go to sleep, but, right, like, I right. have to wind down for a while. So I'll yeah. watch, like, Netflix or whatever, you know. Yeah. And we'll wind down and then go to bed. And she's always like, oh, I'm sorry. It's 6.15. You must be unconscious. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I was making dinner. But, you know, like, if you don't answer the phone or something, she's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. You must have been unconscious. Like, no, I wasn't unconscious. I was, you know, whatever, sautéing my vegetables. Oh, my goodness. All right. You want to hear a story about some young love? Oh, how sweet and tender. Yeah, it was. Till it was. wasn't. It was until he killed me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just some foreshadowing you know, there. love bites. Yikes. All right. Um, so. Hurts. Okay. <laughs> I'll stop. All right. We are taking a trip to Knoxville, Tennessee. Hmm. That's not a far trip. No, it's not. Nope, we're going to start this out in the year of 2014. Oh, so we are recent. Yeah, we are coming, yep, yeah, what's a recent story here? So, Emma Walker was 14 years old and a freshman at Central High School in Knoxville, Tennessee, when she met star football player Riley Gall in 2014. Mm. And Emma was this 
beautiful, talented cheerleader. She was the only freshman to make the varsity team. Kind of like me. Same. Yeah. I was so uncoordinated. <laughs> Riley Gall was described as being kind of a nerdy guy. Um, but yeah, he, he was, was the star football player. Yeah, he like but he was because he kind of had this shy. You know, he was kind. He was a little nerdy. He was a great athlete. Yeah. Kind of had your um, that boy next door vibe to him. Oh, so sounds great. Yeah, it sounds like a great guy. Yeah, um, they were both like good looking kids. I mean, it sounds meant to be. It was yeah, and but. it it was. Um, Emma's mom even reported that she really liked Riley when they first met him. He was super polite, mm -hmm. was great with the parents, uh -oh. which is, you know, good. I mean, it's good, but I always am like, mm, just too hiding? polite. Yeah, mm -hmm. maybe I'm, I'm cynical. <laughs> well, it's probably a good thing um, because Emma and Riley started dating in the fall of 2014 and like most high school relationships, they hung out at school after football games, went out to eat, things kind of like that. You know, you're... He would call her from the payphone. Oh, wait, that was my generation. Sorry. <laughs> he would text her. Yeah, tech, a lot of texting, a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, Emma's friends reported that Riley didn't really hang out with them that much. And now both kids, of course, you know, this is 2014. They're super big on social media. Right. So they're posting pictures. They're posting updates, doing all the things that the teens do. The inner relationship. Yep, inner relationship stuff. Um, and from, you know, social media, looking at, you know, kind of like always looking at just their social media. It's a pretty picture. It was a super pretty picture. Yeah. They were happy. They seemed like a great couple. Good looking. Good looking couple. You know, they were perfect. So, like I said, Riley didn't really hang out with Emma's friends. And at first, you know, her friends kind of brushed that off and said, you know, well, he's, you know, has his own friends and kind of a shy guy. Maybe doesn't make friends super easy. Maybe hard for him. Um, I really appreciate that they were, like, giving him the benefit of the doubt. Because that would have been, like, why he doesn't want to meet us. Like, yeah. what's up with him? What's he got to hide? Yeah. Well, and they, they got there. They got there, though. Okay. Okay, um, after a while, they, they did kind of start getting concerned. Especially when Riley started controlling what Emma did. Oh. You know, kind of where she went, who she saw. And they said that he was super possessive and clingy. With her. Oh, no, 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 no. And now I hate clingy people. Same. In friendship, in relationships, in life. <laughs> Just Same. I don't do well with that. Same. I am like I can I can walk unaccompanied. Like I don't <laughs> need you for everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person that I'm like this is a great relationship. We see each other once every, like, two weeks. <laughs> you need to get involved in. with, like, a, somebody who travels a lot. I that would, would do, be an ideal. Yeah, that would be an ideal relationship for me. It really would. Yeah. Yeah. Down the road, like a truck driver or something. <laughs> a truck driver? Because I just, and it's not, this is terrible. Because of podcasts. Because of crime yeah. podcasts and just. You ruined it. Yeah. Just true crime stories in general has ruined, like, 
trucking and like truck stops and rest areas. Oh yeah. <laughs> for me, yeah. so I, I don't it. know. I can never hike the Appalachian Trail. I know. I have second thoughts about Thanksgiving with family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas liquor. <laughs> Absolutely. Nah. It never just mind. it worries me. <sighs> well. So even with all this kind of possessive and clinging stuff that we both hate, um, Emma kept dating Riley, and they were together for another two years. So all the way through um, Riley's high school time, they were together. At any point, did her friends ever say, you know, hey, Emma, we're a little concerned with... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Friends said it. Other people said it. But I think when you're in that, yeah. that world, it's all about that person and you'll defend them to the end yeah so bitches are just jealous right yeah yeah. and again like a typical high school relationships they would break up get back together break up get back together break up get back together i love you i hate you i love you cycle of things yeah it was just very very back and forth and Emma's friends said that she and Riley would have these super dramatic fights over texts and Snapchat and just were terrible. Which, I mean, seems so... To us, I think, having been out of school for a while, it's like... I don't know. I just, that was not my experience in high school. So I, it doesn't make sense to me why... But yeah. it's, you know, it's a common thing now, I think. Definitely. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I worked with, media. I've worked with young people and they'd come up to me and be like, can you believe that so-and-so said this and that? And I'm like, oh my God, did they actually say that to you? Oh no, they texted it to me. Yeah. And I'm like, well. It could be, you how know, do you speak. Like maybe they're not angry. It just right, reads that right, way. Yeah. And everybody reads things differently. And, you know, in, in, in text, you can personalize something however you want. Oh, yeah. Or take it for, you know, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, Went that way with the payphone. <laughs> so just saying. they were having these fights. And Emma's mother, Jill, said that Riley would often... Talk about what Emma wore and tell her that she shouldn't wear certain things and... Oh, hell no. Yeah, that's a big no on my list. Mm-hmm. I will wear whatever I please. Exactly. Whatever I want. I will be in my flannel nightgown <laughs> down to my knees. <laughs> Absolutely. Knees, sorry, down to the floor. So to say, that's getting a little... Risque. Risque. To the knees, like what is she trying to do? <laughs> Showing those ankles. Gank. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, I love like fun fact. I love playing around, and you do too. I think with like different fashion pieces. And okay, I didn't know where we were going. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I think you're, you're very stylish, and I am. Yes, you always. Well, we work together. And we weren't just, like, showing up in our sweatpants to each other's houses. But you always had, like, the best outfits. What? Yeah. This is news to me. You did. I was always like, oh, she's always so put together. and This is news to me. You were. And I show up in, like, jeans and a tank top. And I'm like, I'm here. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, rolling in with my Birkenstocks on. I'm like, I'm. No, I had my Birkenstocks, though, too. But they were. you're always. They were Birkenstocks. They were fake. (laughs) Sure, it always matched, and it was like 
You looked put together. Anyway, back to these two crazy kids. Thank you. That was very kind. <laughs> um, yeah, so try and tell her what to wear. Didn't like that. Um, and one of Emma's friends actually said that Riley would sometimes wait for Emma outside of where she worked. And not, like, show up a few minutes before she got off work just to, like, so he could see her or maybe offer a ride home. Oh, no. Oh, no. He would just sit outside for hours waiting on her. That's creepy AF. Like, if she had a six-hour shift at the grocery store, he would just sit there. Shouldn't he be, like, doing some homework or, like, I mean, getting those think... college applications in? Yeah, one would think. That is... Oh, this is not going well. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, so Emma's friends told her that they didn't really like Riley and really didn't like how he treated her. But, I mean, like I said earlier, Emma just kind of brushed him off and said that's just the way it was. Mm. Which is sad to me because it's not the way it is. No. No. That's that is not, not how anyone should be treated. No, that is not a healthy relationship. Yeah. Um, Riley would send Emma these really aggressive texts, like, um, quote, I hate you, I hate everything about you, you're the biggest bitch I've ever come into contact with, you're dead to me, I'll check the obituaries. So these were the texts that he was, he was sending her. Um, now Emma's parents started checking her phone because she was acting more withdrawn, staying in her room more only wanting to talk to Riley, that kind of thing. And I'm sure, you know, she's, you know, probably, I think she was 16 at this time when they were really checking her phone. I'm sure that felt like an invasion of privacy. But I'm here to tell you, teens, if you're listening, your parents have the right to look at your phone. (laughs) They pay the bill. If they are paying for it, they can look at it. And it's for your own safety. Exactly. Because there could be something like this going on that is not okay. Exactly. Well, and, you know, they pay all the bills. Yeah. They, you're their child, and they want to keep you safe. Absolutely. And if your friends are, you know, telling you, hey, I really like this guy, or, eh, or girl, and yeah. I don't really like the way he or she or they are treating, treating you, you, yeah, you might want to just take stock of that. Yeah. Just hear them out. Take a minute. Listen to them. Yep. And not that anything, none of this is Emma's fault. No. None of this is her fault. She didn't do anything. No. To deserve this. So Emma's parents, like I said, were checking her phone. And they actually saw the message that said, you know, you're dead to me. I'll check the obituaries Uh. kind of thing, which is real creepy. Well, if it's a threat. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And they actually confronted Riley about it. And this kid was able to kind of talk his way out of it saying that he was just really mad, he didn't mean it, he was so sorry, Mm. and... Be careful of those sweet-talking, charming kids. Yeah, and her parents, I mean, they... This raised red flags, but I don't think this was the final straw for them. They were like, okay. But it did raise some red flags. And, um, actually it did raise so many red flags that they, uh, banned Riley from coming to the house and took away Emma's cell phone. Mm-hmm. Because I think they kind of knew that if they said, like, you have to break up with him, 
that's just gonna make her it's gonna put a wall between her yeah and, her parents, and it's yeah. gonna make her want to make it work even more right and she'd sneak out and see him yeah so they took her cell phone banned riley from coming over to see her and i mean kids are smart and riley gave emma an ipod touch um, and she was able to text him through the Wi-Fi at the parents' house. Wow. So if you hooked it up to Wi-Fi, she could, she could text him on that. And Riley really did hear the, the kind of typical abuser move that we see sometimes. And for every nasty text he sent her, he would also send an apology saying things like, I'm sorry for however I act, and I love you more than words can describe, and... I'll never do that again. I'll never, you know, I'd never do that again. Can't live without you. Yeah. Yep. Mm. So at this point, Emma's parents are starting to kind of encourage her to break up with Riley. Good. Which, like I said, made her dig her heels in even more and defend Riley, um, and really anyone that had an issue with him, you know, she was just defending him. In the fall of 2016, Emma and Riley are still dating. Riley was 18 and had just graduated from high school and was attending college at a nearby school. And Emma was now a junior in high school. And now around Halloween, Emma's parents grounded her and told her that she could not go anywhere except school and her cheerleading practice because they had told her to break up with Riley. I think she'd been caught with him. You know, she's still communicating with him. And so they're like, no, no more. We're done with this. Yeah. You will go to school. You will come home. You will go to practice. You will come home. And that's it. Right. And her parents were watching her really, really closely. And now, shockingly, this actually worked. Oh, good. Which surprised me. But good. So Emma started coming out of her room more. She was eating meals with the family, watching TV with her parents was really kind of coming back to be the girl that they that they knew, mm -hmm. you know, being normal Emma. And she told her friends um, that she was going to break up with Riley for good. And she told one of her friends that she realized that she deserved better and wanted her freedom back. Wow. So she's, you know, she's making moves here. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently Riley didn't take the breakup well. <laughs> Um, and he actually had a suicide attempt uh, where he took a ton of Vicodin pills and drank until he passed out. Wow. So, and he, you know, his friends reported that he started having these really bad mood swings and was just kind of losing it a little bit. Yeah. So on the night of Friday, November 18th of 2016, Emma went to a party at a friend's house, and it was kind of this big sleepover thing. I think it was after a football game or something. Um, there were several people there from her school, and the friend's parents were also there to kind of supervise oh, good, all this okay. to make sure, you know, everything was safe and no. all that. So around 11.30, Emma's friend Zach showed up to hang out, you know, just check in, be part of this party. And Emma actually pulled him aside and told him that she had been receiving some really weird texts from a number she didn't recognize. Now, these messages said things like, quote, come outside alone if you don't want to see a loved one get hurt. Uh, go to your car with your keys. I've got someone you love. If you don't comply, I will hurt them. So, creepy messages. 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So Zach told Emma it was probably someone playing a prank on her. You know, this is probably just somebody, you know, dumb high school kid prank kind of thing. Which, I mean, still... Well, and it was Halloween. Yeah, it's Halloween. They're trying to, you know, freak him out. So Emma actually texted the number back and threatened to call the police if the person did not stop. Smart. Mm -hmm. Good move. Yep. Um, But another message came through. That said, if you'd like to hear his crying and screams, give him a call. What? So, it's just super weird. And finally, you know, one came through that said pretty much that they had dumped Riley's body outside the house. So, Emma grabbed Zach and said, you know, let's go outside and see what this is about. So, they went outside and lo and behold, there was Riley. So was Riley um, lying there like he was dead? Yeah, so he's laying in a ditch, like laying face up, just staring at the sky. So they're like, holy crap. Yeah, so Emma um, and Zach actually went to Riley and got him up out of the ditch, and Riley was acting all confused, like he didn't know how he got there, what had happened to him. Now, Emma's pretty skeptical about the whole situation. And told him to leave, that he just needed to go, which, good girl. Yes. That's smart. Yeah. And Riley actually listened to her and started walking away down the street. And at this point, he calls his friend Noah Walton and told him that he had been kidnapped that night. Walton didn't really believe him. Good. And Riley said that some people had knocked him out, took his car, and threw him in a van, and he didn't know where he was. Did Riley have a history of, like, lying? Is that why his friend was skeptical? I think because he had just been acting so weird lately that Noah was like, you know, I don't really know what this is about. So Riley also told Noah not to call the cops. Mm. Which, yeah. And none of Emma's friends called the cops either about the incident. (laughs) Which, I mean, I don't know if I would have either. I mean, you're a teen. It's Halloween night. You know. I don't know. But if, if like, hypothetically, I, well, I guess she didn't believe him. But mm-hmm. had somebody, you know, just been in a ditch and he claimed the story. I don't know. I probably would have said maybe even call his bluff of, well, we better call the cops to yeah. make sure you're okay. Like, call his bluff a little. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But we're talking about underdeveloped brains, so... Right. I mean, these are 16-year-old kids. Yeah. They've got nine more years of development. Yeah. So, the next morning, um, after the sleepover, um, Emma went home to change clothes and to go meet up with her mom. They were, I think, going to do some shopping or something like that. And now, while she was up in her room, she was able to look out the window, and she actually saw someone down at her front door dressed in all black, ringing her doorbell over and over and over again and banging on the door. Shit, it's the Grim Reaper. Yeah. So she was terrified. Yeah. The guy actually ran away from the house, but Emma really wasn't sure where he went. Like, did he go around to the back? You know, was he at a window? Oh my god, that would freak me out. What the heck is going on? So, like, she's rightly, rightfully freaked out. However, she decided that the person she should text to come save her was Riley. So there's definitely still some attachment to him for sure. We have not separated from him completely. Let it go. go. (laughs) Right. 
So Riley texts her back and says that he is on his way, that he is speeding over. Now, why is he in her his neighborhood? And he magically got his car back. Right, like he, yeah, car they, jacking, you know, took his car and kidnapped him, but now yeah. he's got it back. Um, so Emma's mom got worried because she did not show up and went home to see what the heck was going on. So she pulls in and sees Riley and Emma in the driveway. And, you know, she's banned him from being at the house. She mm. thinks they've broken up, so she's pissed. I would be too. You know, she is angry. And uh, so she asks Riley to leave. And he tried to protest and said that he was just there to help Emma. And, you know, her mom interrupted him and said that he knows he's not allowed to be there and he needs to go. And so he did. He, you know, he left. And Emma was still really shaken up by this because she was afraid that there had been, you know, a burglar trying to get into her house. And now her mom didn't really buy all of this and tried to tell Emma that, you know, it's kind of odd that Riley was involved in both events that had happened to her. Mm-hmm. You know, Emma and Emma didn't believe that Riley was involved. You know, she was like, no, these are you know, two separate things, like maybe something really did happen to him. Love is blind. Right. Too blind sometimes. Mm-hmm. So did he leave? Yeah, yeah, he leaves. Okay. Um, so her parents actually make a plan to follow her to work the next day. Um, just, you know, they're, they've got this bad feeling and they're like, you know, we're going to make sure. Does she know that they're going to be following yeah, her? Okay. Yeah, she knows. She knows that they're going to follow her to work. So, they follow her to work the next day, and then her dad actually drives to her work and follows her home that night, you know, just to make sure everything was okay. By Sunday night, everything was pretty much back to normal. That night, Emma's dad heard what sounded like gunshots, and he got nervous, so he went to check on Emma and her younger brother. And he actually looked into both of their rooms and saw that they were sleeping, so he went back to bed. Um, Emma's dad had to be up for work at, like, four in the morning, So he got up super early and left. And Emma's mom got up and started making breakfast and then went to wake Emma up around 6 a.m. so she could take a shower. And when she tried to wake her up, she noticed that Emma was pale and cold. Oh, God. So parents, absolute worst fear. Yeah. She immediately calls 911. And if you want to be real sad, um, you can actually go listen to the audio of the 911 call. It's out there. I I listen to it, and it's chilling. Now you have me very curious, and I wanted to listen to it. Yeah, it's really, I mean, you just hear the, like, panic in her voice of, you know, my daughter's unresponsive, I don't know, you know, what's happened, I can't get her to wake up, and... So, when the police got there, the lead um, forensic tech said that the call originally came in as a possible suicide. Well, I mean, that would make sense. She didn't see any obvious signs of... Right, there's no obvious, like, when she was just looking at her and trying to get her to wake up, she didn't see anything, you know. But when the tech got to work, she realized this was not at all a suicide. Mm. The tech actually found a bullet hole in the wall, and Knox County Sheriff's Lieutenant Alan Merritt found where the bullet came in through the side of the house. And he found two shell casings, and he eventually found another bullet hole on the other side of the house. Now, Emma was struck by a bullet in the back of her head, killing her instantly. And the other bullet was found lodged in her pillow. So, 
you know, it came in through kind of like behind her ear is what I read. And so when her mom was, you know, moving her around, you know, she didn't see everything. And I don't she had her hair. Right, her hair and you know, she had moved her. That kind of so thing. essentially this shot came from outside the house. Yes. Went through the wall. Holy cow. Yeah. And the reason the second bullet lodged in her pillow is because it actually hit a support beam in the wall. And so it had to go through an extra layer of, you know, beam and lodged in her pillow. It, it lost its velocity. Holy it went cow. Through. So it was crazy. So obviously they start interviewing all of them as friends and family. And one name kept coming up over and over again. Was it Riley? Sure was. That's so. So Riley was immediately on social media posting all these memorial posts saying that he he loved her forever and was going to miss her so much and all this stuff. And there was a huge vigil held for Emma at the high school where all of her friends came together to kind of have this big, you know, to mourn together mm -hmm. this loss. Riley's friends, however, were uh, more concerned about his actions. One of Riley's friends actually told police that they were concerned because Riley had said that after the kidnapping that he was afraid for his life and had taken his grandfather's gun. Now, the friends were worried that Riley would use the gun to kill himself because he had been so scared for his own safety and Emma's. And now that Emma was dead, he would be even more scared. So his friends, you know, right away are like, you know, we're worried that he's going to go and do something to himself because his girlfriend just died. Right. Or ex-girlfriend, whatever. So Riley's other friend that we talked about before, um, Noah Walton. Right. Um, he he was, yeah, yeah, the one he called when the kidnapping apparently Who didn't happened. believe. Right. Right. So he was uh, worried for a different reason. Okay. He was worried because apparently Riley had asked him how to get fingerprints off of a gun. Oh, that's not good. No, not good at all. When police came to interview Riley, he would not refer to Emma by her name. He just kept saying, the girl. And when they would ask him, you know, which girl are you talking about? He would say, the one that passed away. You know, not the love of my life. Right, and like, I'm sorry, uh, but say her name. Weren't you memorializing her on social media? Right. And now all of a sudden, oh, you know, that girl that passed yeah, away. Yeah, like, I'm so above it all. And detectives said that when the interview was taking place, they really started to see kind of a dark side come out. Mm. And Riley said that on Sunday night, he had called Emma, but the call did not go well. Um, and she had blocked the number. And I think he called from like a friend's phone or something because he knew that, you know, she wouldn't answer his mm -hmm. call. And after that, he said that he drove to his grandparents' house, you know, for a minute or two and then went back to his college and cried in his car for two to three hours over the breakup. Just stayed in his car and cried. Which, I mean, I'm, and I'm partial to a good car cry. Oh, yeah. I like shower. a good, yeah, shower cry, car cry. I'm all about it. Yeah. And not usually for two to three hours. That's, that's excessive. That's, that's a long time. It's a very, I mean, at some point, you just, you can't cry anymore. No, you can't. I just. Or you need to drink a lot of water. You'd probably be some. You're like vomiting. Yeah. Yeah. Be a lot. Yeah. And detectives um, actually said that during the interview, he was pretty much emotionless and that the whole thing felt very rehearsed. Mm. 
So now police know that Riley stole the gun from his grandfather and that the gun was the same caliber as the one that killed Emma. Well, what a small world. Hmm, right? Funny how that happens. Yeah. So after the interview, Riley started texting his friends and telling them that they needed to stop talking about police. Now, some of Riley's friends realized that he had probably killed Emma. And they actually did a really brave thing and reached out to police and offered to help them. And the police actually put together the sting operation and sent in Riley's friends wearing a wire and a transmitter and all of this. And they were actually given a hidden camera and a key fob. Mm -hmm. And they were supposed to go and talk to Riley about the gun. See if they could figure out, you know, where the gun is. Um, this is super dangerous. I mean, we're putting really young people at risk. Here. Right, and I mean, everything I read said that the police, they told them, you know, this is really dangerous, this is probably not a good idea, but they were an assistant, and they're like, no, we need to do this to help this, you figure out what happened to this girl. Wow. So, like, props to them. For sure. Gosh, that would be scary. Oh, yeah. If I was, like, the mother of these kids, I would I be know, like, oh, like no, you no, idiots, no. what are you doing? <laughs> My child's not going in there. I know. Like, Mom, I'm 18. I know. And they're all technically adults. Like, right. do what they want. <laughs> oh, but still. They're still young, yeah. So, but, I mean, the operation was successful. It was a super big success, and they were actually able to arrest Riley. He admitted. Yep, they were able to find the gun, the gloves, and some black clothing that he had. Um, so they, As he was the one ringing the doorbell. Yep. Yeah. So, at his trial in May of 2018, his defense attorney said that Riley never meant to kill Emma and that he had just fired the gun to scare her. And his attorney said that he was hoping that the shots would scare Emma into asking him to protect her again like she had when the man in black had showed up. Now, Riley denied, you know, all through this, that he was the man in black. He still was like, it wasn't me. Which, I mean, we don't know. But they did find black clothes. But, I mean, we kind of know. <laughs> right. Like, who else would do right. that? Right. It's, it's got to be, yeah. Anyway. So, after five hours, um, the jury found that then 19-year-old Riley was guilty of first-degree murder, stalking, theft, reckless endangerment, and being in possession of a firearm during a dangerous felony. In Tennessee, first-degree murder comes with an automatic sentence to life in prison. Now, Riley did not speak during the trial, but he did speak at sentencing, and he apologized to the family and stuck to his story that it was an accident. <sighs> Which, I mean, maybe it was. Maybe he really did just mean to scare her. Yeah. But he had been in her room. He knew where her room was. He knew yeah. where her bed was. I mean, maybe he didn't think that the gun, the bullets had the velocity to be able to reach that far. Maybe or... he was just a really bad shot. Or a really good or shot. A really good shot. Yeah, I mean, one of the two. Um, I mean, what, because that's kind of actually, if you think about it, it didn't go through a window, it went through walls, so it's kind of like a blind shot. Yeah. You're hoping that with the trajectory that it will go where you want it to go, but you can't control that. So, I mean, there is some validity. There's a possibility that mm -hmm. he did want to freak her out. Yeah, there is. There is. But, I don't know. I think it's just too much of a coincidence that it hit 
Well, and how much he was threatening her. Right. And it's, you know, it was escalating. Yeah. This was not, you know, he wasn't going away. He wasn't just going to be like, oh, she doesn't want to date me anymore. Yeah, it was date me or else. Right. So Emma's family has really tried to use this tragedy to educate other people about the dangers of abusive relationships, especially for young people. And Emma actually wanted to be a NICU nurse, and she loved animals. Her family has actually had a NICU room and a dog park named after her. Oh, that's incredible. Now, Riley will be eligible for parole at age 71, since a life sentence in Tennessee is 51 years. And, you know, all these other charges that he had, the prosecutors were really hoping that that would add time to his sentence. And, I mean, even all in all combined, those charges only add up to about 10 years. But still, that would put him at 81. Right. Which is significantly different than 71. Right. And But the judge said no to this, and he'll serve that time concurrently. Gotcha. So he will be eligible for parole at age 71. And that is the tragic, tragic story of Emma Walker. I think that just goes to show, you know, you got to be careful who you get involved with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people who are abusive, um, manipulators, put on the charm. That's what they do. And it's all part of that manipulation. It is. It is. You know, and so many times, particularly women who are being abused, people will say, well, we had no idea he was so nice and he was a pillar of the community and he was always so gregarious and outgoing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do. That's what they do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and there's some really good resources out there, you know, some education stuff out there for young people, especially, um, But definitely, yeah. And then always the domestic violence hotlines are there as resources. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, a tragic story that I think, unfortunately, you know, it doesn't always end in this type of tragedy, but is happening to a lot of young people. Well, and and props to her parents for being proactive and trying to reach out and help other teens and other parents who are struggling. You know, I can't imagine the, you know, the guilt that they feel. About this, you know. Well, you know, on their part, they did everything that they could. Yeah. I mean, you know, they really went to great lengths to try and protect her. I mean, this this man was just dead set on his mission and what yeah. he was going to do if yeah. no one else could have her. You know, if he couldn't have her, no one else could. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, this ended in tragedy for Emma, but, you know, hopefully her story and, you know, her parents' work can help other young people. I think so. I think Emma would probably be very proud of her parents. Yeah. Um, doing this. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a oh bummer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> be careful out there, kids. Yeah. Well, uh... <laughs> I know we brought the mood <laughs> way down. Sorry. Um, this week, we do want to give a location shout out to Cortland Manor, New York. Cortland Manor, New York. That sounds lovely. It does. It sounded super fancy, and I was real excited to see oh, it. Oh, I do. I love that. It was fun. Not quite sure where Cortland Manor is. Not a clue. So while you, you tell us, you know, how they can find us, I'm going to look that up okay. really fast. So you guys can send us an email at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia, or follow us on Instagram at Mountain Mysteries. Dot Appalachia. 
And if for some reason, uh, you lovely listeners, hear a annoying whining sound in the background. It's just me. It's just Holly. No, it's not. It is my crazy psycho of a dog who all just really wanted to be in Holly's lap. This Pretty much. Episode. She has... Like, literally been crazy tonight. She's like, been pacing wild. back and forth, and I'm her best friend. Yeah, she just really she wants just to want go. just hugs from me. She wants hugs from Holly. She also wants to go play with my grandmother's cat, who's upstairs, mm. and wants to go and play with him, and I won't let her do that right now. So she's protesting. She is. So that's, um yeah, if you hear any of that, um, apologies. So, you know, for episode 17, we'll be at my house. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we won't have to worry about it. Probably for, like, the next four episodes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. But um, did you find out where it was? Oh, I sure did. So it says, a nice little Google search, that it is actually 35 miles from Manhattan. So it's oh. right outside of New York City. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Neato. So, New York City, I love you. Same. Great. <laughs> <That's right>. Same. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, we will. Um, we're going to get out of here before my dog uh, completely loses her mind. She's and very close to it. She's super close. I'm super close. You can as well. hear it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really, I've noticed, you know, Haley, who's very patient, who's just like, losing my She's mind. losing it. So she's prepping for kids. Oh my God, no. If anything, <laughs> this dog has taught me that I will not be a good mother. <laughs> well, give yourself some time. Yeah. Yeah, and she's so cute. She is super cute. She's so freaking cute, and that's what kills me, because everything she does, I'm like, God, you're adorable. (laughs) I I get it. I get it. Yeah. Boundaries. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And she'll be in my bed with me, snuggling away tonight. Oh, Haley, boundaries. And be so cute. I can't. I can't. (laughs) I just, I can't. All right. Well, she's losing her mind, and so are we, so we'll see you next week. Bye. See you next week, guys. Bye.